0: This is Summit to Talk About, your one-stop podcast for all things hiking, hills, wild camping and the great outdoors. I'm Ryan Dodge-Cook and in this episode I'm excited to bring you Harrison Ward, better known as Fell Foodie. Claire and I were invited back to the Lake District on a glorious day where we met Harrison on Gummer's Howe, overlooking Windermere. He lugged his portable kitchen and cooked us some very tasty lunch and shared his story of alcohol use, poor mental health and how he turned it all around to become a fell foodie and cooking for Dame Mary Berry on TV. What a rollercoaster of a journey. But before we tuck into the tasty Mediterranean flatbreads, I'd like to thank Hiker for supporting the podcast. If you're looking for an easy to use, content packed app for your navigation needs, Hiker is the answer. It's free to download and start using straight away and for your peace of mind, you can download maps for free to use offline. Other awesome features include essential route information including campsites, hotels and B&Bs, shops and even water sources. You can share your live location with others and set way markers when you're planning your own routes. If you love the app, upgrade to Hiker Pro Plus with 20% off using the link in the show notes or through my Instagram bio. I'd also like to thank Zolio. I've been using the Zolio satellite communication device throughout the summer, and it has been a game changer. The wilderness is great for being able to connect with nature, but sometimes you need to connect with friends and family, and using the Iridium satellite network, Zolio keeps you connected anywhere in the world. The device uses an app on your mobile device, allowing you to easily send messages to check in with a one-touch button and share your live location for peace of mind. The monthly plans suit different budgets and you can share the device with others. If you want free device activation, you can use the code RyanXZolio during setup. Now, I hope you're hungry. Let's go and meet Harrison. Right, we are here in the Lake District once again on this beautiful day. And today we have been blessed with sunshine and also um, to finally meet Harrison Ward, also known as Fell Foodie. Um, it's been a long time because I've wanted to get Harrison onto the podcast for quite a while now. Um, heard him on other podcasts, um, seen him all over social media, been following him for a long time. So it's, it's an honor not only to meet him, but also, as you can see, Harrison has kindly offered to cook for us today. So, um, welcome to Summit to Talk About. Um, it's, it's fantastic to, to finally meet you properly and, get to see up close and personal what it is you do um and we will delve deep into that um about what it is you do now um and with all the guests we tend to go back to the very beginning about how that came about um and i know that you've got a very um your backstory is is quite is quite a good one um I mean, good, bad, however you want to look at it. And I, and I guess that, you know, you, you can look at that however you wish to. But, um, I like to be able to share that story with the listeners of the podcast for those that haven't, haven't heard it before. Um, so welcome, first of all. Uh, it's thank nice you very to much.
1: You. No, thank you for having me. I know it's been a long time in the making, hasn't it? It certainly has. Yeah. Trying to get a date sorted and yeah. bit but nice to be out here and the weather's
0: played ball as well. <laughs> Perfect. Very lucky today. Yeah. Um, you're a busy man, uh, which is a good thing. Um, and we'll come on to how that's come about. Um, so let's go back to the very very beginning and please feel free if you you know what to do I'm no cook by the way. Um so you know I don't even know how to say what you've got there that's an ingredient that's I can't even, can't even pronounce. Um it looks very fancy. Um please feel free to crack on and do your thing whenever you need to mm-hmm. we'll just ask questions and chat away. Uh but let's go back to the beginning. Um how did this come about? How did we go from i mean you can go from birth if you want but let's build our way up to where we are right now um and how you've become fell foodie
1: from birth wow. <laughs> if gonna, you want you it's don't gonna have be, to. it's gonna be a long one <laughs> no no um i'm not sure i'd know much about those days anyway to be fair but, uh, <laughs> that's, but yeah it's been quite an unexpected journey really i mean although i'm brought up pretty close to this area i'm from carlisle originally just just north over the hills there i mean this part down here, we're always there. Uh, we used to be used to be Lancashire at one point, so it's <laughs> a bit of a joke round there, being from true Cumberland, north of Rays. Um, but really didn't embrace this sort of part of the world for, for a long time. So for myself, although I was doing a bit of time in the outdoors as a kid, I was going out doing various bits of work in the woods and playing a lot of team sports and quite a rural upbringing, really. Didn't really embrace what the outdoors was all about. And I suppose, you know, I was quite a happy-go-lucky sort of child. I didn't really have any anything to note, to note there. Quite a nice childhood. Um, strong family life, various bits. But found myself getting hit by this complete sense of, I guess, self-loathing and demotivation going through puberty. Just like an overnight change, really. Something I didn't really know what I was going through at the time. Didn't have anything to relate to. And just kind of woke up and started experiencing all these, these darker thoughts, really. And didn't really want to bring anyone down with what I was going through, family or friends. I didn't really share... Perhaps what I was doing. And this was something that continued on and was what I now know to be the start of my journey with, with clinical depression. But back then, at sort of 13, you just be, be clueless what's going on. You just sat almost in the assembly theatre sometimes at school, just thinking, well, you know, thinking to yourself, mind's wandering, and your friends seem as if nothing's going on in their life. But inside, I was just battling this constant, just self critical nature. And now it's worse, really, sort of moments of not wanting to be here at all, sort of suicidal ideations. And-
2: Even at 13.
1: Yeah, completely just not knowing what my purpose in life was at all. Just just not really thinking I had had a place in in, in the world. Just really, really strange, almost out-of-body stuff that started um, coming in just overnight from that moment. And it was something that continued through all from my adolescence, really, um, to the point where I continued my studies. I was I was working as well alongside my studies, so I got myself into hospitality trade quite early and was washing pots initially at sort of 13, again, that same sort of age. Um, moving on to waiting on and then sort of behind the bar, 18, and that was where things again began to change. The sort of second sort of cycle of my life, if you will. So 18, of course, I'm sure experienced the same. Sort of, it's, you can go out legally. There you are, off <laughs> into the bars and clubs, into the pubs. And of course, I was dispensing alcohol now on the other side, being legal um, yeah. to be able to serve it as well. So a different world I was sort of introduced to, and different people I met through that through that trade. And something I really enjoyed, I guess, at heart, being a very social character. But, of course, I was still battling these internal thoughts, these mental um, afflictions. So I started to be introduced to this world of alcohol that is, again, that rite of passage, I guess, especially as a bloke. It's kind of going out there and becomes part and parcel of the weekends, but then also my midweek sort of time. And um, quite quickly started to enjoy that sensation of really being feeling quite free and feeling sort of quite um, carefree about what I was going through, just for the fact I was, I was drunk, I guess, really.
2: So, did it numb those dark
1: feelings would you say it did at the time I mean I-, I wasn't really seeing it that way at the time but of course it was uh, it was just very early days and introduced to the alcohol world of alcohol so it didn't take a lot for me to be like giddy <laughs> in <laughs> way or stumbling home so it'd be two or three pints or so and you just that's it you weren't really thinking of anything else I was just having a good time with my mates just go home wake up bad head start again of course they weren't quite as bad at that age <laughs> oh, <they definitely laughs> <get words. laughs> but yeah that was something I, I-, I like that sensation because it gave me almost that escapism from what I was going through so I- I wanted to try and get more of that, I guess, if you will. But again, I wasn't really seeing it as anything other than just going out and being social at the time. Being
3: normal. And, yeah,
1: exactly. It was very much in the culture. It's yeah. what you do. Any the footballs on the weekend, or we're going playing sports afterwards. We're going into town, student nights, various bits. It's just part of the culture, yeah. isn't it? So, but quite quickly that began to to escalate. with the point where I was going out quite regularly, I was taking on more shifts at the pub. My studies were kind of just about surviving during this time and really I was now drinking most days um, if I was working I wasn't working and it got to the point where I was due to go to university in, in York and um, I was a year late going to university so I was 19 heading out there so I suppose I was already a bit more trained in the arts maybe that's, <laughs> at that time <laughs> yes. as well but once again you go to university and what's the first thing you do those first couple of weeks again freshers it's week. fresh as wheat, yeah. all mm-hmm. alcohol fueled again so right ben straight into that that passage that i was quite well versed in these days but also now using this really to try and shut my own head off personally so i was more aware of what i was doing at this point i think i liked the sensation i was getting so i was chasing that sensation more and more but as tolerance built those sort of two three pints and walking home drunk was now turning into sort of more eight to ten pints going home drunk and then drinking most days of the week now in york and this was where things really began to snowball really really further darker and deeper and there, I was meant to be starting a new course there, that was meant to be a new start, moving away, independent living. I found myself quite quickly back in the hospitality trade, working again in a bar. And again, utilising alcohol now really is quite a medicinal tool yeah. for me um, to sedate that mind, to shut off what I was going through. And still not speaking out about this, not seeking any help. She just, just never said a
2: word to anybody over all that time.
1: I mean, there's maybe certain things came out slightly when you're having a drink, but it was maybe just, you know, a little bit there, or oh, I'm not feeling myself, oh, whatever, get another drink in, it's yeah, all fine. would have
2: just put it down to the drink, yeah, absolutely,
1: it? absolutely. So it was just, and again, I spoke about this quite recently on a, on a previous podcast, A bit, I think looking back as well, there wasn't really anyone to almost look and relate to then, either the role models or such. Perhaps the, the internet was more in its infancy, so there wasn't anyone speaking out there or people you were looking out to, or they weren't sharing so much, whereas now you're seeing a lot more, high-profile sports people, you know, hearing sort of film stars and various bits speaking about their issues. Yeah. So you realise you're not alone, but at the time, it was just, you didn't know what you must were going be, through.
2: Must just be me. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And you have that very alone, alone syndrome almost. So in York, again, things began to turn much, much, much um, deeper and darker for me in that period. Uh, and my sort of drinking at that point was, was growing a bit out of control. So my studies quite quickly fell by the wayside. I went full-time into the industry, which really at the time was now a catalyst for my other lifestyle it was providing the, the, the money so I could go out and do this therefore that was more the priority for me over the studies at the time and around the time I got from my 20th birthday so I've been there for about a year I was now regularly consuming sort of in excess of sort of 20 pints a day at this time wow. I'd taken up smoking full time which I hadn't touched any cigarettes at all previously and I ballooned in weight to about 22 stones so I was about 15 stone when I moved to York so I put about 7 stone on in a year and so it's very noticeable the difference in me and this lifestyle changed. It's a very lethargic, um, self-destructive style of living, really. Just yeah. just me battling each day, just really existing by almost speeding the days along by drinking myself to blackout. Mm. And yeah, a, a dark period really, one of the one that sort of didn't really foresee and didn't really aim to get to in a course. And although there was now physical science on the outside, there was still no one really going, look, there's an issue here or what's going on. I didn't say there was an issue with my drinking, I just saw someone who was a strong drinker, I was a good strong drinker. drinker. Yeah. I was out there and I put the practice in. I'm in that environment. <laughs> it's kind of part drink. and parcel. Yeah. yeah, it was just part of what I did. It was just, that was kind of it. You just, you crossed a bear in a certain way. But likewise, behind the scenes, it was meaning that I was escaping from my own my own thoughts, really. Mm. Um. But yeah, I mean, this began to really come to a head uh, around my 21st birthday, I suppose. I had a lot of friends come to visit me in York. And this was maybe the first Maybe moment I guess what I looked at it at the time as a bit of a, a chink in the armour, sort of releasing what I was going through. Uh, but one by one, these friends started to go home and left me, what I really deemed as quite alone in this city. I mean, I had a lot of friends in the, in the pub trade, both in town and where I worked. But really, the signs were there. I think that my best friends were maybe takeaway owners and and bartenders. Back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was quite a different lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. But one by one, they started to go home. And um, it just dawned on me, really, how alone alone I was in this city. And one particular sort of wander home, again, absolutely blazed out my mind, really, just stumbling home, I picked up a payphone to, to call home, to call my mum. Um, the early hours of the morning, don't, don't recall the conversation too much, um, but just had one intention, really, and it was just to say goodbye. Uh, I just felt as if I couldn't go any further. I felt as if I'd hit a point that alcohol was no longer providing that escape for me. Yeah. It was no longer helping me exist really on this planet and that I just saw one way out really and that was just to end it all and it was something that really that, that probably should have been a big moment of change then but if anything I was quite pissed off that I'd, I'd let that slip and I'd let my, my guard down in a way and I'd let people wow. in sort of again was I suppose I was under the influence so yeah. I was a bit more liberal I suppose with how, how I talk, a bit more loose tongued yeah. and um, yeah I went back home to seek some help Back in Cumbria initially, I did seek medical help for the first time there. Obviously my mum know a bit of family knew what I was going through. Not to the full extent, but obviously a scare like that, of course, there's there's definitely puts you under some persuasions um for mental illness and various elements. But I wasn't willing to change. So I bought myself back a ticket to York, went back and continued this same lifestyle for another five years, just just carrying on, drinking myself to oblivion, really.
2: How long were you back in Cumbria for before you then went back to
1: York? It was probably about a week. Really? Yeah, it wasn't long at all, so about a week. So, again, I think, you know, I just took a week in holiday off work and then was mm. back to it, back to work on the Monday and then straight back to the same lifestyle, really, just mm. just carry on like it hadn't happened. It was just, um, yeah, sort of annoyed that I'd slipped, really, at the time. It's uh. quite a
0: big chunk of your life at such a young age as well, so... I mean, when you look at, at somebody who's, who's lived a very, very long time, that's only a snippet, but five, seven years, we, are we talking about here, time mm-hmm, frame-wise? Mm-hmm. That's a long time for somebody at that age um, to be just in that cycle. Um, battling? Battling, yeah. And, and almost, like you say, quite alone in doing that because you're surrounded by it. And I suppose that was what felt comfortable for you, hence why you came to Cumbria and then just went back into it mm-hmm. because that was the norm for you. Um, so how did how did you break that cycle, and what made you want to do it?
1: Yeah, as you, as you say, it was almost just that was that was the way to cope with what you were going through. That was kind of just the way to just grin and bear it, if you would. It was mm. there was the only alternative was was stopping for the stop. So it was kind of that wasn't really. It didn't feel as if it was an option, although that was where my mind sometimes went. It was kind of, I think, the fear of leaving those behind that, mm. that cared about you. The fact that what, what you'd leave on the other side that was something that almost kept you going so I just sedated myself each day just to speed the days along I guess it was it was a yeah strange strange cycle looking back but one that just day to day was part and parcel and and highly functioning of course I was still working for this whole time as well so it was still maintaining that side of things and perhaps that's why I stayed in the trade as long as I did because I I wouldn't have got away with that if I was in an office job (laughs) 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 turning away like I was I mean it was just the sole focus of each day just the minute I got up it was just starting again and topping up and getting that quota yeah. as i dubbed it at the time but yeah i mean it continued on um until i was about maybe 25 or so so by this point again i've been battling a good good 12 years in my own head alcohol had been a part of that for about seven years and i found myself in a relationship at the time something i'd really wanted i guess to share life with someone and again sort of find find someone to go and and, and go through life with really and it, it, it was, it was fantastic, a fantastic period, but of course, something that I was already in a relationship with. So I already had alcohol as a major part of my life that had almost pre-lived this next relationship. And the two, of course, didn't yeah. really go hand in hand. Yeah. There were was, was certain bits that would go in the social bits or social yeah. settings. You go for have a drink, but not to the extent of where I was, where it was every day, every, every waking minute, really. So it kind of began to get weaved in and around, I suppose, a normal relationship. And of course, you can never really build things upon that, that the hiding these things behind from somebody. And as the relationship got more serious, I guess there was more moments of not intervention but, but clashes where things had gone on where I'd turn up and had a few more drinks than maybe I'd said I had or I'd be late all the time or perhaps I'd miss certain events or turn up drunk. And and it began to cause these little arguments over, over the space of multiple months. And um, on one particular argument, as I always did, I'd just probably go out and drink it off again, just, just walk away from the situation, not face it, just head back out and just ignore it really and on one of these occasions I went out and I acted unfaithfully under the influence of this partner and rightly so it was the end of that relationship but it also caused an absolute fracture for me personally because I never felt like I wanted to be this burden to anybody that was always the start it was always me just trying to battle through this not bring anyone else's day down with what I was suffering from using alcohol as that means to try and get through and just kind of minding my own business in a Mm -hmm. way but now this was starting to affect all those around me and although I didn't really realize at the time how much it affected already friends and perhaps family that had noticed signs, not the full extent, but now something that I loved dearly was now completely fractured through my own actions. And it was yeah. kind of me feeling very compromised as a person. The fact that I wasn't the person I was trying to portray who I was now. I, I was disloyal. I was. I was lying. I was, you know, hurting those around me. And it was kind of this wasn't me anymore. This was kind of alcohol had changed me as a person it felt as if it could no longer play a part in my life in that moment it really the first moment that dawned on me how deep I was in this cycle and how much of a hold this substance had on me at the time and it was where I came to terms with the fact that I, I, I'd become an alcoholic at this point I mean I was the minute I was getting up I was brushing my teeth with the stuff I mean the signs were there a long time previous but to me I guess maybe in that environment hanging around with people that were also quite heavy drinkers and merging group to group being in that trade it was just just something that went under the radar I guess Yeah. yeah and that day was the 6th of June 2016 uh, and really my whole foundations of my life had just just disappeared beneath me and it was just a moment that I guess I tried to rebuild to try and win this partner back if I'm honest that was the main catalyst for this was to try and win her back and as you do it's like I can change I can get rid of this I'll stop drinking I can go through my last pack of cigarettes in the bin and, and try to make this change and the next day I went into work as I usually would, did the breakfast shift and my boss looked at me and said you don't seem quite right today, there's something, there's something up with you and I just broke down in front of him I just, just completely broke down and he said take a minute outside and that minute ended up being, being hours just me sat outside staring at the wall just, just, just a broken man really and a friend of mine came out, John who was my colleague at the pub and he came out with a pint glass and he said "Hey, I'll get this down here, this will sort you out I said I don't drink anymore John he just looked at me and was like y- you what I <laughs> don't drink anymore I mean, it easy, but... and he was just dumbfounded I mean this is a guy I'd seen the end of the bar literally every night for the last however many years just yeah. drinking anything that was going and it was just a major turn for me that just really though, the, the consumption I was having at the time though, those numbers to go I mean I cold turkey is what I was doing basically at the time that was obviously only day one but medically they were not advisable from those numbers that, yeah. that sort of um, dependence I had with that substance but it quite quickly dawned on me that I couldn't stay in this city that I was in. I couldn't stay in York any longer to make this change. There was too much familiarity to me. There was too much temptation around. Obviously, the job I was in and so stuff, it just wasn't going to be viable. So I pretty much left that city overnight. I didn't say goodbye to anyone. Obviously, my relationship had ended. I'd quit my job. I I by my sister once I got to Cumbria actually I didn't really wasn't really professional at the time but frankly all water into the bridge these days. But um, I came back to Cumbria and <laughs> left my flat and just yeah, this city I've been in seven years, you know, a lot of people there, I had a lot of friends there as well and just felt as if I could no longer make this change if I stayed in that environment. So I came back here to Cumbria, um, to Carlisle where I was originally from and came clean for the first time to friends and family. You know, what I'd been through, what I was struggling with and the reasons why I had to come back here. And now that support that I received back from that moment is just integral to the way my life's gone since. Integral to the change, integral to why I'm able to speak about this these days more positively, and the fact that that lifestyle is still one that's in the past for me now. And I tried to throw myself into fitness initially, so that was alcohol left such a void in my life, leaving that behind. There had to be something to fill that gap with. Of course i didn't have a job when i came back i was penniless trying to rebuild very sort of unhealthy looking as well obviously i'm very overweight not doing any exercise for the best part of well i don't know seven years <laughs> uh, but throwing myself into this lifestyle initially just getting my old bike back out trying to do some loops around the house going back to the gym trying to lift some bits around there and friends would start to turn up to join me on these activities you know to try and do activities that didn't involve alcohol whether that was going for a little walk in the local woods and then one friend decided to go right we're going to go for a hike in the later streets and so what we just see on the screen back in the distance over there he has got Blencathra in the northern fells it was the, the fell he marked as the first one <laughs> on the second week of this sort of turnaround an absolute baptism of fire and um, I just put on what I had to hand which was I had no equipment or anything at the time so I had some old scabby shorts and a jumper and some some shoes and had about as much pair of a grip as a <laughs> pair of bowling shoes I think and he just said you can't go like that you know where you're going hiking state of you. Um, as we drove into the lakes, he pulled off at an outdoor store and he grabbed me this pair of boots off the shelf and put on the counter and, and bought me these boots. I mean, just a, you know, a huge show of support, really, at the time. And then pulled up the base of Blencathra. so that initial moment of maybe <laughs> gratitude had soon... Uh,
2: <laughs> Ended quite quickly.
1: <laughs> and soon dissipated, yeah, looking up at this mountaintop. And... Uh, but slowly but surely there, just one foot in front of the other, staying at my feet, it was slowly getting frog-marched up this fell side, really, and um, again, I don't recall too much of the way up, but a lot of breathing blowing out my arse, probably, and then eventually reaching this sort of summit circle. And before we had a chance to really take a breath and take in what you'd done, again, it was quite an overcast day on the day, didn't see many views from the top, he just looked at me and said, right, we're doing Hell of Allen next week, <laughs> and that was it, the start again. <laughs> So, a similar day. I mean, a day like this, you know, blue skies, it's up the hell of Ellen, stone staircase to the summit from the Firlmere side. Again, only three weeks now from that moment of change in York. Marching up this fell side once again and just really battling through, not knowing what the future was going to bring and just having to push on through really what was just pain, I mean, both mental pain and physical yeah. pain. I mean, I was very unfit and pining for my ex and going through withdrawal. I mean, I was hallucinating at times with the alcohol withdrawal, cold sweats all the time. It was just absolutely all over the place in terms of um, health I guess really and and myself and just not knowing any other direction there was only two really ways at the time it was kind of giving up or it was trying to make this change again I suppose trying to win this partner back it was almost like my 80s movie montage moment (laughs) I think I was flooding up these mountains and we'll make this change we can do this we can leave it all behind and come out Phoenix from the Flames type thing but
2: Was there any feeling when you got to the summit both times or was it just pain?
1: I think the first time was very much a, probably a sense of relief. I think just getting to the top <laughs> and, oh, finally it's over. Yeah. But Helvellyn was the one that really sort of twigs it for me. Again, it was a day like this, seeing those fantastic views, looking down with Stride and Edge and Red Time below. It was just like something clicked that yeah. day in me. It was just almost like a new addiction was being sparked. Yeah. And that sense of achievement I was getting, that, that endorphin rush I was getting from exercise and time outdoors, you know, was it was was that high that I sort of tried to get from, from Malcolm really? Like but high. Without the come down. It yeah. was just it was just it was all there and kind of really sparked on this next journey. So a week later we were off doing Scarfell Pike, and then I think a month later we were down to Wales doing Snowdon. And by the turn of the year we were up to Scotland doing Ben Nevis. So we'd done sort of the three peaks there. I'd found myself moving to the Lake District and then really utilising these mountains now as as a means of recovery, as a means of progression as a means of fitness trying to make this change in my life so it was a very unexpected path one that I didn't really plan on being here didn't really plan on coming back to Cumbria didn't plan on being in the lakes for sure but almost got blown here in a way it was yeah. kind of just trusting the path and it, it did very much feel very sort of that that sort of mm-hmm. at the time I was kind of hands up to the journey and just just trying to make positive steps and little by little things were coming on whether it was shows of faith from friends or from strangers or you know I was then offered a job in sort of the lakes and I was like I'm not really sure what I'm doing I don't know if I'm going to settle here or. but then I took it and then that led on to another job It ended up working at, at the um, the gingerbread shop in Grassmere, which yeah. then led on for the next sort of six years for me and it was just very much just being open and receptive to to the opportunities and the I don't know, the, the openings that perhaps I was being given at the time yeah, yeah. and just trying to make this change and just being very open and honest for the first time in my life when I'd been, you know, I wasn't a, um, you know, a, a lying soul sort of thing, but I was always hiding things internally, wearing a mask on who I actually was perhaps, where now it was all out there. It was kind of revealed. So I suppose the next stage for me was to uh, was to start a new mask and uh, come up with a pseudonym and uh, start uh, start doing something completely different.
0: <laughs> we all love it we all love to hide behind something, don't we? You know, create a logo. I'll do a podcast.
1: That's it. Yeah. And that was the next sort of steps with that sort of stuff. For me, initially I was going in the hiking side, I was loving my food, I was back at home again. cooking had always been that passion for me from a very young age. I love the fact it brought people around the table together at home, had me Sunday dinner. Gavin at my grand's house, my auntie and uncle would be there, conversations that got shared, if there was barbecues with your friends when you were through school. I just loved those moments and felt that it was very much in our culture. Human, very really just being around food and being around a stove or a campfire-permitted areas or, or the kitchen. And you looked on the continent watching these fantastic programmes in sort of Italy or you know France, and they're always dying outdoors and yeah. al fresco and the family or the neighbours were coming around. I just I just love that sort of camaraderie to it. And, how how almost primal it felt in a way as well, although the ingredients in the cuisine certainly wasn't, but the, the aspect was. And as I got into the hiking, I was cooking a lot more from scratch again. Now, for myself, trying to eat a lot more fresh produce, trying to be healthier, to try and lose the weight, to try and fuel myself onto these adventures more, because I felt that, you know, looking back with the alcohol, or pinching a few chips out the fryer when I was in the pub sort of trade, it was very much how I fueled myself too. So putting bad fuel in a car and expecting to go 100 miles, it wasn't going to happen, so trying to look at what I was eating as well in various bits, and started making, I suppose, packed lunches to take with me up the fell side as I was hiking. Yeah. Now, at this time, I began to start posting online for the first time. I mean, I never had an Instagram account at the time. I didn't really use social media. I think you often get those memories popping up on Facebook of what you've done, and all mine are usually a pint glass on the bar, <laughs> usually saying something like, miss the train again, any excuse sort of thing on the way back. It was just, that was it. I didn't yeah. really utilise it at all. I mean, I'd even taking a selfie in my life. It was just... But I was almost introduced to Instagram through, through a, um, a colleague at work at the time who said you know why don't you start sharing what you're doing up there because I was making things at home taking pictures of them but never really sharing I'm not meant to be that person you know yeah. sharing the pictures of their dinner yeah. on Facebook.
2: <laughs> discreetly taking pictures yeah. no yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. so I up with this pseudonym so I was loving the fells of course I was loving the food so I decided to sort of try and merge those two passions and started dubbing myself uh, fell food in all anonymously at first again under a logo just sharing the views I was experiencing and the food I was enjoying either at home at the time or on the fell top as a packed lunch yeah. and one person on the top one day said you know why don't you get a stove and actually start cooking out there from scratch mm. bit of a smart Alec like comment really and just mm. uh, I thought you know what I will so I bought my first stove and I packed out what I had in the kitchen and originally I just went down by Rydal when I was living in Ambleside at this point just down by Rydal water and started trying to knock up something that i did at home on on, on on sort of the lakeside now and on the hillside and i didn't have any equipment again like back at the start with the hill walking i didn't have anything to my name so i just literally took what i had in the kitchen so it was the proper yeah. sort of pans i was taking you know, boards out there i think I probably had a pestle and mortar out there at one point and
3: <laughs> the kitchen knives
1: yeah all sorts yeah just 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 had usually what i had to handle see if i could replicate this outdoors and It just began again this sort of natural sort of snowball that began to get a bit of interest, I suppose, online, sharing those pictures of the dishes I was trying to create and the vistas behind it, you know, the wonderful views. And it started going from there, I guess, to the point that I got to my second year sober in 2018, so again, June 2018, and for the first time now decided to share that story again, but now publicly. So again, I hadn't revealed who I was on this account, friends didn't really know. You might have got the old this phone number stored in your contacts. Um, Do you know this person on Instagram? (laughs) That was probably about it, but I didn't take any pictures of myself, anything on there, so it was kind of all anonymous. And then the second year of sober, I put it all out there, and exactly what I'd gone through. And the first time, sort of the friends and family felt quite daunting, but I was so, I suppose, shattered mentally and physically. My whole life had just crumbled away. It didn't feel as if it was a reveal moment. It felt as if I was literally putting the surrender flag (laughs) up in a way. Kind of, you know, I had nothing else to really hide behind, so it was almost accountability then, where this second moment was now more publicly to a lot of people that I didn't know strangers, I mean the following had built a little bit on there at the time, and revealing it out there I guess I don't know if I hadn't really aimed to it at the time, I just I just, just felt as if it was something that I, I was able to articulate and able to share, that I felt like I wanted to, to try and maybe show that you know, this, you're know you not alone in this sort of thing yeah. thinking back to that young lad who was in school sort of, who didn't really know who was Who else was going through this sort of thing? And like that first time, the support and the comments that came back from that were just truly humbling, really. It was just the amount of people who'd found the outdoors for similar reasons or they'd gone through similar struggles or they had loved ones that had gone through these things that hadn't always had a positive end to this sort of thing. It was just so heartfelt and so much community felt that came from it, really. And that sort of began another sort of journey that led on to Um, a few bits of sort of um, local media and various bits got in touch so some local press decided to sort of try and share the piece Um, some some local magazines and some national magazines sort of trail and great outdoors got in touch and I began to suddenly start sharing this journey very publicly it was kind of never really an aim or just the goal of mine but by articulating it once and being sort of a voice I guess for, for the voiceless if you will it suddenly began to maybe capture that maybe more in just or similar stories and, and provide it further and because i was willing i guess to share it it yeah. kind of went from there and it was something that before i knew it was good was, was really began to snowball further and given these new opportunities for me um with this sort of fell foodie fell foodie pseudonym but was never really yeah never really targeted or aimed or scheduled in the diary to sort of that's the next steps <laughs> so it just sort of began to go that way but really it was just me heading out into the hills for my own sort of personal recovery and just Enjoying a practice of cooking and taking the outdoors too, and enjoying the fact that you're out here. Quite a mindful practice on the hills, oh, and yeah. just yeah, taking in the sights, sounds in different way, and just being quite still as well. Because we're always rushing around so much in life, and just yeah, day-to-day life's quite busy, a lot of stresses. And for me, it was even when we go out to do a hills, it was always putting the Strava on. How fast can I get there? Yeah. Get the selfie at the top. Get down yeah. again. Next one. And it was just to be still in a place mm-hmm. and actually just set up and chop a few bits up and be out there and enjoy a nice lunch that you've crafted and carried out there and it just it just felt quite a nice a nice activity for me and quite a yeah mindful practice really
2: I suppose it's you're more still out here cooking than you would be at home when you're at home you've got everything else someone might uh, knock on the door or you've got a kid or a (laughs) dog running around and so yeah this is it's kind of the calm of cooking I guess as well isn't it
0: it's not often you sit on the side of a hill when, like if we go out for a walk, we go out for a walk. We'll stop and quickly grab a sandwich or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But this, the, yeah, the stillness of sitting here and cooking, and you never really think about it like yeah. that. But there's, you know, you wouldn't just sit here
1: otherwise, would you? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple up the uh, up the hill a bit further. We got the right idea, haven't they? I think they're having a nice picnic blanket, enjoying <laughs> a, a nice cold bottle or something up there. I think I mean, <laughs> you know, not the life I lead these days. But I mean, that's that's something that I've never really gone back to again. That sort of stuff. So that was my. My second year sober back then, I mean, I've, I've recently reached sort of um, seven years sober now from that moment on, and it's wow. just a That's very amazing. different life to what I lead. And I suppose it's kind of, again, just trying to share that maybe moment of hope that can go through these things. And certainly, you know, it doesn't all come easy. It wasn't just, you know, it's, when you talk through it like that, it seems as like it's quite a, a clean, smooth path after you oh, go. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, those first three months were just immensely, immensely difficult, just absolutely battling the mind. I was just completely broken, just yeah. just breaking down most nights, just really you know, what I'd done and sort of missing sort of the, the partner and going through that withdrawal and again just not knowing what direction you had in life. Anything you built to that point. I At mean, twenty five you sort of got a bit of a way in life and then all of a sudden you're going, right, we're starting again almost in a way. Yeah. yeah. Scary. And really scary. Very yeah, very, very vulnerable period and but again. I was very lucky to have that support network I had I think that's something that I always speak about And know that I'm quite privileged to have had I had a lot of friends there that I was lucky to have in my life at that time really There was quite a few that maybe had moments of You know ultimatum or perhaps You know giving you you warnings on your behaviour sometimes I was never an, an aggressive individual under the drink But I certainly was unreliable and perhaps Make a bit of a show of myself and things And really without them I think at that turning point to then lift you up you can see many people that go a step too far and don't get that maybe yeah. in that rock bottom or that epiphany moment that lose that and then much harder to maybe come back from but you know I think it's just about reaching out to people any way you can whether it's friends or family or whether it's medical professionals or again sometimes like-minded people on social media and you find you yeah. you find your crowd and like Could in the outdoors massive
2: support to so many people and, and perhaps even people you'll never know who mm. you've, you've helped
1: that's it. Just by, by, just by coming out on story. social
0: media and, um, go like you're sharing your story, even you don't know how many people that will reach, do you? And you know, I get messages from people on the podcast that I'll oh, listen to such and such mm. episode and, uh, it's meant so much to me. It's got me back outdoors and you just don't realize how far. Your story can reach, um, mm-hmm. and so like you've you've put yourself out there on social media. You've been on podcasts, and your message will get out there, and it'll it'll just spark other people to go. You know what? I'm going to make that change now because if, if you know Har- Harrison can do it, and you know other people can do it, I'm going to do it. And it's it's an inspirational story, and the fact that you've gone through it and it's been hard has never been in vain, has it? It's always there's always somebody out there that will take take advantage from from what you've done and benefit from it.
1: Thank you. It's um, yeah. It's, it's a funny one that world in now because I mean these days it's become sort of something that I do uh, more regularly. It's something that I do go and do a lot of talks about it. sort of universities and schools and and corporates and various elements. But it's funny you end up in that bracket of that as you say that that motivational inspirational speaker. And it's kind of I never feel like that's my place to really say that. It's kind of it's not my but they're the thing people, to say I think, that I I can inspire you, I, yeah. that's not me. So it's, it's what you take from it's that in a way. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people, it's very individualised. And yes, and perhaps I've had those messages over the years of people that have, you know, said, oh, I've, I've read this journey and it's really inspired a change in me. And I'm always going, well, that's nothing I've done. That's that's all what you've done. If I was just to maybe a little a little catalyst on the way there or a little perk, as I had myself. Mm. In. There was yeah. people I watched on YouTube or, you know, again some sports people that spoke about it who you saw similarities with one of the big ones I always come back to was like Anthony Hopkins the actor who was I think he's been sober sort of maybe about 50 years now an absolute champion of sobriety but he was a rife sort of drinking his day and mentally battling all the time and he really, really speaks out about it quite a lot and you know it was tagging on to people that were quite well known people at the time which was which was, which was was quite a help for me too so when people come out and message you sometimes it's, 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 it's never yeah it's never one of I think personal Isolation or various things. It's very much to their their sort of thing. I think their journey. But if I can add my message to that to that fight, then that's certainly something that I'd like to do and continue to do, and um, and see it quite as a bit like a purpose these days. Mm. I mean, I was so struggling with my place in the world at one point, but being able to maybe put my, I suppose, name to this sort of thing and throw my uh, message into the fire is kind of a yeah. It does really. Actors quite a push for me these days
2: Yeah, We saw you at the uh, the outdoor expo And I think the fact of the crowd That you had listening to you talk And watching you cook as well That's a massive testament Because it was I mean it wasn't just the seated arena It was people were stood up rows and rows mm. and rows because, And you could have heard a pin drop Like people are really really engaged And motivated by, by your story So I think that, that spoke volumes as yeah, well Yeah definitely didn't it? Definitely
1: I think that was just the free food samples. that were going we uh, I'm, oh, under, I'm under no illusions there. I've got to tell your story. I'm going to tell your story now. Yeah, so when we really. were there,
0: obviously we recorded a little bit, and there were some people on the very back seats. So after you'd served up the, the food, there were some people. There was a family sat on the back seats facing us, and they had. They weren't the. I now they weren't the containers you were using. They were like Tupperware boxes with food in, and uh, I was like Claire let's go and have a chat with them and ask them how they think the food is and, and see what they think of, of Harrison's food and she was like you can't just go up to them they're eating and then she goes that's not Harrison's food I was like good job I did go and ask onions. them
1: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I mean, especially if you had no great. context to that as well yeah, <laughs> how, how, how's your food oh delicious okay, yeah my yeah. mum cooked it yeah exactly <laughs>
2: <laughs> no,
1: that's great No, I, I try my best at those events to get as many as possible but it, it was yeah it's quite a fantastic audience but it's a great show that one to be I don't know how you enjoyed it at the it's time. First but...
2: time I've been, and it was brilliant. Yeah, just we were great... there for the two days, weren't
1: we? Yeah. I think that community aspect. A lot of these sort of outdoor festivals, I think, it's just great. You're in there amongst like-minded people, yeah. whether you know, they might not have similar stories in terms of the adversity inside of things, but all find the outdoors for their own reasons. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the people in different you know stages too. Whether it's from very much beginner, rookie, sort of learning the ropes and how to get into the first points of people who are maybe slightly more experienced, those who are elite as well, all mingling in the same yeah. place and so yeah. approachable and it's just a fantastic vibe and yeah it's always always very humbling to see audiences like that at a festival like that one and try and speak to as many people as possible i guess about both sides because of course the cooking's a big passion for me me now as well and uh yeah. with that in mind i probably better start actually doing something obviously. we're not, not well, going to be yeah. eating during this, uh, <laughs> uh, this recording are we let's have a look at what, what
0: we've got what
3: going on here
1: <laughs> so i'm going to knock up some little um some little flatbreads on here with a bit of some sort of mediterranean veg um a little hummus i'm going to make up so a bit different to a hummus you make at home um, blending it all up i'm going to sort of use the pan to heat the chickpeas through a bit to allow them to be a bit more supple to be able to sort of mash this through into a nice hummus to spread onto those flatbreads so i've made sort of the dough up at home already just quite a simple dough um, just yogurt plain flour um, a little bit of baking powder in there so i'm just going to really push these out into a dry pan and just cook these through on the stove and start bringing this together really but again we can continue on as we are chatting um, away
2: so in terms of your, um, like your motivational speaking there you go <laughs> in terms of your motivational speaking then is it kind of across businesses um, corporate events and schools is it, is it quite evenly split or do you find that there's a certain area that I want you to go to speak to them more than anyone else
1: there's such a variation really these days, I mean it's one of those things that it's almost so multifaceted in what I've got into sort of doing. I never really aimed for this to become anything other than what it is. I mean, to become a I suppose freelance these days of trying to do it as a, as a job as well. It's kind of still working out what it is I do. I mean, essentially, I'm just a guy who likes cooking outdoors and sort of sharing his story. But, um, you know, it's great when I get to work with the schools and various bits and talk about, you know, I suppose the what I've gone through there as well, because I think I almost do picture myself back in that sort of audience of not really know what you're going through. And, yeah. And you find the kids now as well are so much more aware of those things as well, what's going on. I mean, often the, mm. some of the words they use in speaking out to me, I'm like, well, I never knew this at all, <laughs> not at all, it's just...
2: They've but, aged so much more than when we were at school, haven't they? It's, oh
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's just having a lot more information at the fingertips now as well, yeah. from straight off, that it maybe comes to that sort of level, but... But again some corporates will be in there for perhaps mental health awareness days or you know sort of sober october type things or it could be perhaps you know more well-being consultancy they want to do and speaking avenues there but also again being able to work on the cooking side too with lots yeah. of nice brands festivals or the expos or mm. more interactive classes at the schools and various bits or so again some brand work on social media elements like that it's kind of just really it's just evolved just so naturally really i have yeah. not really well very organic i've not yeah, never really pushed that for any that sort of way, but
2: that's lovely though, isn't it? I because think that's the best way, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because then I, I feel there's probably less pressure
0: that way when you just allow it to happen and it organically grows.
2: And it it'll feel right, won't it? Yeah. You're not chasing something and wondering, is it? But if it's if it's naturally happening. You know, it's that's the path you're meant to be taking, mm. I guess.
1: Yeah, I think it was just you just never really knew these opportunities existed, really, I suppose. And they probably wouldn't have maybe you know, a few years back to be able to do some of this stuff. Now, I mean, essentially, I'm just a guy who, you know likes to cook in the fells and tries to <laughs> how do you make a living out of that? But we'll see. We're still working that out. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, that brings us on nicely to your book. So tell us about it. Well, yes, book.
1: Yes, I and mean, that's been a been a recent recent development. That's uh, yeah, again another unexpected chapter <laughs> in the. In the proverbial book, I guess, but uh, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose a bit of a childhood dream was always to do, do a book. Growing up, watching those programs on the television, you know, being a bit of a scholar with cookbooks and just learning and really trying to amplify my own knowledge. I suppose of culinary stuff. I was never trained. I've just although I've gone through hospitality, I've always just been learning from other sort of chefs in the trade. You know, I've never really called myself a chef because I've I've not gone through that 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 training arc really, but. Yeah, last year I was asked, based upon as was what I've done now, as well the slight audience I've built through what I do, with sort of the outdoor cooking side, to to compile um, a recipe book with recipes all designed around sort of the camping stove. So whether you're out camping or adventures, taking food with you out there for either little small micro hikes or out bouldering, down wild swimming, that sort of thing, stuff you can cook up. So yeah, it's been a working progress since November now putting it together um, 85 recipes in total oh, wow. all um, varying onto sort of you know some breakfast dishes into sort of one pots to some more extravagant type dishes in there um, to even some desserts and some snacks you can make at home to take with you as well so looking forward to all um, getting released in October now so it's available to pre-order at the moment uh, by the time this will go out it's yeah. just about to launch as well yeah. so quite exciting and um, yeah it's really becoming real now it's uh, <laughs> you see the little sort of updates or the little proofs and you're sort of going oh, I've done this yeah <laughs> you know, I've wrote that and it's kind of yeah it's becoming quite real now I think the natural reality of the fact that yeah you will soon be a, soon be published and have all yeah. this together so there's a bit of the story in there as well but I'm not telling it too much around that way it was kind of um, leaving the new bit perhaps that's something I'll come back to at some point mm. but um, have shared about how I've got into this in there but otherwise again how to get into it a bit about equipment Bit about um, do's and don'ts of how to be out there, leaving no trace as much as possible. Yeah. The environment, all bits, and how to pack things out, and uh, how to prepare it in the wild. So hopefully, we see some people taking their camping meals to uh, to new yeah, levels. Yeah, definitely. I October. mean, over.
0: You know,
2: looking at what you've got, there's not it's, a lot there. The, yeah,
0: I was going to say that because I said y- the equipment you use is that is a bigger stove than your sort of the, the ones that we would use if we were wild camping. But yeah. Um, a, it does the same job in, you know, you could put a pan on top of one of those. That's just very more, it's a lot more stable. Um, you've got a chopping board and a couple of pans, you know, that's it just goes to show that it's just about, I guess, playing about and seeing what you can achieve. And that's what, exactly what you've done. Um, but for people like me, I'm not a cook by any stretch of the imagination, um, whether that's at home or out of
3: course.
0: Um, but, you know, it's dehydrated meals... they they do the job they're quick they're easy we've had some awful ones yeah um (laughs) naming no names (laughs) (laughs) naming no names um but to be able to i can't just imagine being sat on a wild camp and i'm in something proper i
2: feel like this is this is you're gonna buy me the cookbook and you're gonna be like we'll go wild camping you can cook
1: (laughs) brilliant but that's what it's about i think half the time again the other thing with those sort of dehydrated meals i think is it's quite expensive as well i mean you're just going out for a little a little camping excursion or for a weekend sort of meal it's an expensive way to be you may as well be going out to eat for a restaurant really but but i'm no being besmirched of them though i think they have their place oh yeah absolutely you know exhibitions and stuff out there you know wouldn't happen without them um but sometimes i think we're very used to convenience i think especially in this country perhaps and always looking for shortcuts or just grabbing that meal deal from the shops and I think the art of almost preparing something out there sometimes is just a nice experience in itself. And Yeah, yeah, I won't convince everyone. Of course, there'll be people that want to go out there, or they maybe don't. It's just fuel for them sometimes. They just want something to go in and march on again. Absolutely fine. But likewise, I like to prep when I'm out there from scratch where I can, but you could be making this stuff at home first and warming Mm -hmm. it through. As you say, a much smaller burner will do the job as well. I tend to use a one that's got a nice wide flame head, so it hits the pan like a hob at home, really. And again, maybe that was the wind a bit better on the air. on the tops but yeah you can certainly be knocking things up much better or heating something up or even preparing the veg at home first and bring it together at home even with a bit of a pre-made sauce as well i see yeah. it as different stages this sort of thing really yeah I mean, if you're maybe at the first stage of sort of pot noodle dehydrated <laughs> <not right>. then, <laughs> just about. moving on into the uh the next ones but... <laughs>
3: okay
1: so we'll just toast these little breads off anywhere in that dry pan then i'm going to get these um some onions together, I've got some pepper going in, some tomatoes and I've got some courgette as well and um, we'll pop through these, but make those breads up first and I'll use a separate pan for the veg and I'll, I'll use that pan that I've done for the flatbreads to make the hummus up at the end as well It's so quite a simple one
2: yeah, it's It already smells, smells good. good Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we didn't just, get just chance to taste your food at the expo, we but it smell smelled it, yeah. incredible. Oh, bless you.
1: It, it was really a nice curry up there, wasn't oh, it? it yeah. 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 Korean rice and fresh gnar yeah, and breads. Yeah, it
2: smelled amazing.
0: Let's talk about um, <laughs> quite, I would imagine, one of the most memorable times that you've cooked. <laughs> um, Mary Berry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's not exactly a small thing, is it? I, I don't think we should be ignoring this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was quite a special moment. I mean, again, I think, as I mentioned before, that natural progression of sharing that story and having the opportunity to, to share that further afield, um, led on to bigger and more wonderful opportunities. I guess. I mean, from the, the early days of a chap called, uh, called Ryan, who I used to serve down the pub when I was eighteen, who works on the local news station, messaging me out the blue saying, "You know, I've heard your story now. Let's get you on the telly." <laughs> so then, yeah, some national magazines and some papers. To then getting called about the blue. I've been asked someone much to cook for Mary Berry it was kind of a bit of a Wow Yeah, daunting one. Uh, at first I was going, you know, how have you got this number? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um No, and again, I think secondly I was going, there's no way I'm making her a cake. I think because I thought I'm not going on telly for the first time. and trying <laughs> to make a cake for Mary Berry outdoors on my first time on television and actually making a mare of it. Um But no, it was something that just went from there really that kind of on the day we turned up and they said treat you like your grandma and you know suck up what i did and she was just a wonderful wonderful human being just really you know down to earth at the time just really welcoming um kind on the day and it was a lovely day like this as well it was yeah it'd be, it'd be like a year and a half ago now we filmed that and, um it was a really strange week in may we got when it was almost um snow coming through and stuff in may as well i remember <laughs> sabrina Vergie was doing her her attempts on the wainwrights then and she had to abandon it mid-May because of the yeah. snow was knee deep. It was like I just wouldn't yeah. imagine, well, it's
2: the UK, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it, was,
1: it was baffling, crazy. <laughs> but um, but on the day there we were, and again we were on a little um, hillside near sort of Goberra Fell, looking looking on to Blencathra, which again was that first mountain at the start. And speaking about this journey now, not only you know publicly, but now to a, a couple of million on the television. Yeah. It was just bonkers, really. Yeah. And and then making her two dishes on the television. So I did a, <laughs> a nice pansy a sort of sea bass dish. Um, fish. Yeah, with some have <laughs> some um, sort of lemon vinaigrette and a nice sort of uh, broad bean sort of base on there, and then um, I did bake her a cake in the end wow. on, on the camping stove. So uh,
2: was that massively out of your comfort zone? Are, you? <laughs> are you actually a, a, a good baker as well?
1: Well, baking is how I almost started. Actually, I used to make cakes when I was a kid, I we used to make cakes for your mates and it was their birthdays and stuff, and take them into oh, wow. school. And that's how I first sort of started. But I don't really do many desserts on the camping stove mainly because you've only really got that one sort of source of heat, that burner. Mm. And most desserts are usually baked or they're refrigerated. Yeah. So you're kind of in the outdoors, you're a bit stuck once you go past sort of pancakes and fritters, really. Um, but just again, that moment, I suppose, that pressure of making her a cake, I was like, <laughs> oh no, chance. <laughs> uh, and stupidly, I had a go at a cake um, and posted it on my Instagram about three or four weeks before the filming, and the producer saw it said yeah we'd like that cake oh, now <laughs> no, experimented with so on the day there i am all the crew say it's not going to work it's not going to come off you're going to turn it out it's gonna be like slop you're not going to work again and um yeah there i was making this cake absolute pressure you know mary's stirring the mix at one point and handing it back to her and going needs a bit more liquid mary and just didn't make it onto the cook frankly but <laughs> but turned out this cake a you know, lemon and blueberry cake i made and uh there it was in it's glory and Thankfully, she uttered the line, no soggy bottom here. Oh, so, excellent. <laughs> Absolute pressure. But uh, <laughs> but again, I believe the first time she's had a cake cooked outdoors for us. So definitely a proud moment. Yeah. And um, just, again, amazing to have that opportunity to be able to share that story as well um, on a platform like that that's yeah, yeah led on to some a little bits. So yeah, she's not text back recently, but uh, <laughs> it was a, a wonderful experience <laughs> that I will always hold strong in the memory. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely.
0: It's amazing. So, what does your life look like now then? So, you've finished working at uh, the Grassmere Gingerbread, that was a while back now. Yeah. Um,
1: to go off freelancing. And so, how does that work for you? What sort of jobs are you doing? So, yeah, so again, it was, it, as, it, as it's all been really, just quite a natural evolution that um, I started to get a few more jobs appearing, I suppose, when my the, the following grew a little bit and having the opportunity to speak about this and attend some festivals and stuff and speak about what I was up to and perhaps sometimes some um, almost catering aspects and talks in schools and stuff that was alongside my work at the time and then sort of lockdown sort of hit obviously everything sort of changed for everybody and obviously there wasn't much work there marketing budgets all got completely slashed yeah. my day job bananas I was in shipping before so it turned out everybody wanted to, like, toilet roll and, and gingerbread yeah. in <laughs> lockdown it seemed and um, you're sort of looking I didn't do much social media at the time I didn't have the time I was just working so many hours of the week then as well it was a crazy period um, and it just felt like everyone else was just, perhaps almost in, just enjoying you know, themselves on these jollies at home. Yet. It was crazy looking back. And of course there wasn't, but that's all you were seeing on social media yeah. again, that yeah. tailored image all the time. And a difficult period for me as well, I think, because the first time it had kind of brought me back to those those previous days. I never wanted to be at home. I didn't drink at home when I was in York. I always went out and about. It was always being social, not being stuck in my own four walls at home and my own sort of my head, really. Yeah. And all of a sudden lockdown's putting you in that exact situation. So that so the gym I was using all the time shut. Yeah. The mountains I was living in Amber side so looking out the window to them, but everyone was saying, you know, don't yeah. go out, my rescue was saying don't go in the hills in case something happens. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be out there, you know, putting into people's faces, going, Look at me, I'm on the hills yeah. it was just a very conflicted side and of course there was all this half an hour outside rubbish that was never never law but became gospel and the curtain twitches were out and yeah. all sorts and became very reclusive really I just kind of went back into myself and was just working every hour most days and then coming home and just sitting at home and I suppose I fell back on food then as a different means I mean food's very much a passion but there's also been a bit of a crook as well I think that almost addictive personality if you will so I was perhaps eating too much put a lot of weight back on through that period so it was a difficult period but a moment that I may have gone back to drinking on as well um, at the time which I think many people did have their struggles through that time you I definitely
2: weren't alone in that period. For sure, I know,
1: absolutely. That was one of the reasons I didn't really speak much about it either, because I felt as if I didn't have any other place to say this now. I felt like I'm in quite a, a privileged position here, in a lovely green space, I'm not in the inner cities. But likewise, your whole routine's just been smashed apart again. you trying to trying to rebuild. and Yeah, I put a lot of weight back on during that period, as, as again, I remember a few people when we put a bit of weight on as well. Couldn't get into the homework outside of things. Um, but coming out of the lockdown again things began to ramp up again further so the day job didn't really calm down it maintained that new new level of, of trade. um everyone was going to the outdoors all of a sudden coming out so the outdoor trade began to boom then brands were getting more in touch festivals were back on so all of a sudden it became quite a busy period and it got to a point that i really was going away every weekend doing some work and then was back in the office every monday you know I was getting back into the early hours of sunday and back to the day job just constantly and it was like well I can't continue doing this all the time because I'm not really having any time to myself now I'm not yeah. really going out and doing what the original thing is why I started going out was mm-hmm. for me it's for my own headspace. space am now it's all work or I'm in my day job so I had the point of basically going well either either you know I stay at the job and we, we pack that sort of in or we try and make a go of this full time and i guess at the time there wasn't a <laughs> i wasn't completely replacing my salary at the time it was a little bit of a nice bit coming on the side but it's still very speculative and yeah. still really working out what it is now i'm sort of almost offering but yeah having these opportunities to go and do it based upon you know, some media bits or some journalistic elements and some brand bits and um i think a lot of people think it's purely the social media side but that's really a very very small pocket yeah. of that i think it's yeah. mainly the speaking side and you know um it's just been yeah i suppose a bit of a speculative period that perhaps you know i don't know it might work out might not work out but for now it's allowing me to sort of just about sustain (laughs) life as it is and obviously have some wonderful experiences and meet some great people out and about and and spend more time in the place that we all love really so we'll see whether it continues all down the line we don't know but for now yeah fell foodie full-time as a mental health speaker outdoor cooker for hire I,
2: guess. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose as well, with you not being too prescriptive about what you do and allowing it to be organic, it's it's going to open up loads of different doors and avenues, isn't it? That you, if you were prescriptive, you may have missed or not even thought about. Yeah. So it's nice that people are coming to you and going, How about this? How about this? So, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah. There's, there's some weird and wonderful opportunities that come about for <laughs> you. Really, it's brilliant. It's great. Isn't it? And I almost like that about it, that real variation to it sometimes. And you go, well, I've not done that before, but I could do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fine. And what, give
2: us an example then of something that's weird and wonderful you've been asked?
1: Well, I think from anything, I mean, it could just be, because it's quite remote catering in a way almost. Yeah. I mean, I've had somewhere I've been cooking on a guy's boat on Windermere here behind us. So it was yeah. just, I was in his galley kitchen, I'm just there, and he's driving <laughs> along the lake and I'm just underneath <laughs> cooking away. And, or one's on mm. the hillside where, again, I've had some school groups out on the top, so I've had some big corporate events out there. I've had stuff where I've maybe been cooking for, a remote team so there's been like a tv crew that have been doing out in a remote part of the lakes that haven't had any catering yeah. so i've then been out there and catering oh, wow. on the side sort of thing um so then perhaps just myself going out there and maybe experiment with a new stove and doing maybe a, a demonstration for that or um presenting some new equipment To so, yeah it's just really, really, really weird and varied and yeah. i suppose it's kind of again yeah, a very something that wouldn't have existed before it's kind of really still working out myself and what it is you do but i'm just kind of me really these days i'm kind of just very just but how me. nice
2: for you to say that because <laughs> that's good yeah going back to what you said when you were that 13 mm. year old boy you didn't know who you were yeah. and you didn't want to be you did you mm, no. and now you're being you and you're being happy and you're, you're yeah. making a success of it which is i think that's yeah. everybody's goal in life isn't it definitely definitely
1: yeah, yeah no it's a, it's a very good point it's um yeah, and again, I appreciate it's one that perhaps isn't you know not always viable for anybody sort of can go in, go out there and just you can do the same, go and cook on the hills, and that's it. Pay your pay your <laughs> bills,
2: and you don't want everybody doing it. No, well, I don't mean, I don't mean that way, but
1: I just mean <laughs> I just mean yeah, it, it's kind of just a, a funny little world, but just enjoying the opportunities that come my way, enjoying the people I'm able to speak to, and, and still trying to share that message along the way as well, and just trying to get more people out into these yeah. wonderful areas, and again, treating these areas the right way as well. I think sometimes it's just going out there and trying to protect them. For what they are, and there's you know, some more people can enjoy it in the future. Are, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's just having that almost responsible influence, if you will. I think along the way, and um, yeah, we'll see what comes next. But certainly, the book has been a yeah, the next step that's going to be quite a wonderful yeah. one. To um, yeah. are you out. able to
3: share
0: with us your favourite um, your favourite recipe um, or your favourite meal that's in the book? It's in the book yeah
1: I'm going to give you one am I I've got, I've got 85 oh, yeah. obviously there's 80 odd what's your favourite that's it Care- carefully selected 85 yeah. in there Yeah, all oh, my favourites
2: narrowed it down
1: from 8,000 no. 8,000 I mean I I've cleaned up a repertoire as it is I think <laughs> no brilliant um, there's some lovely ones in there I mean there's some ones that i almost don't expect to see replicated on a fell side hey, that's um, a challenge to be fair, um, <laughs> you know, not just very about,
2: good at cooking but i like a challenge just to <laughs>
1: manage it myself i think and sometimes the kit list for those ones are a bit more extravagant but yeah. some of the one pots in there are fantastic as well that you know i can definitely see happening more on the campsites or even at the festivals you see mm-hmm. more and more people now cooking there i was at one recently uh, it was a motorbike festival of all places oh, that wow. I, was cook- I was cooking at and you know, i was thinking where's the link here and I've, i haven't got a bike license myself but it was all adventure biking so they're out there and they're taking stuff with them they're camping they're cooking on the way yeah and some of these lads they come in a big white van and they'd um, they'd brought one of those big Kamado Joe barbecues and they were actually cooking at there oh really? yeah, out there. like proper <laughs> big roasts and stuff and I was going no, fair play yeah <laughs> they took it up another notch so stuff like that you are seeing more people go that way now I think and trying to cook little bits as they can and again it's great to try out the food vendors at these events as well but sometimes you might want to do a little bit half and half go back yeah. to the tent and enjoy a nice breakfast so and the stuff in there so I mean the most complicated one in there is probably a katsu curry that I've done from scratch so it's mm. um, an aubergine katsu I've done to keep it um, a nice vegan dish in there so it's all bread in the aubergine it's all shallow frying that it's a sushi rice in play it's making wow. the sauce from scratch there's even some little ribbon cucumber and bits on the side for garnish in there nice <laughs> so that one I expect probably minimal people to every really, uh, yeah. actually do but otherwise there's some old classics in there again just you know like some, um, you should put breakfast pancakes in there sort of stuff as well and some Nice one pot chilies in there and bits of risottos and stuff that would be really handy as well. Yeah. So, there's certainly something someone can recreate somewhere and again for everyone's taste, I think. So, and try Which to family incorporate family dishes,
2: aren't they? See yeah, those, and it's great right, getting yeah. the kids
1: involved. I mean, these flatbreads are brilliant, they're in yeah. there as well. So, cooking these up, getting the kids involved in those really handy. Um, but again, there's something for everyone in there, I think, as well. And try to cater for a lot of different dietary stuff in there as well. So, plenty of vegan recipes, plenty of vegetarian. And uh, hopefully, we see some get cooked out in the wild in there. Uh, i get tagged in a few as well, it'd be yeah, nice to see you. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah.
2: I think it'll go crazy with everybody. Yeah.
1: We'll make sure we get a copy to you after this as well and we can see what you're cooking up. So yeah, again, you I know you're that. saying how oh, much of a curry. shit, but <laughs> I, I won't be doing uh, the katsu curry. <laughs> that's the challenge I'm looking forward to seeing, I think.
2: <laughs> and the thing is, is, even if it doesn't work, if it's a massive disaster, it's still fun and it's something you'll look back on and you've done it socially if you're there with other people as well and... It's, it's the experience isn't it as much as it is the actual finished product yeah
1: yeah exactly and i think again i think it's just being sort of quite um not jumping straight to the levels as well i think not going straight out and doing that hardest one out there or <laughs> the biggest hill you can find yeah. it's kind of you know doing something where you've done at home first and starting to maybe try and replicate that out and trying to supplement it in certain ways so yeah. taking stuff out that's maybe half done or half prepped out on a small you know campsite holiday at first then maybe going a bit further afield. Yeah. And getting that practice in. Because, again, you've got different things to contend with, of course. Not only are you carrying the stuff, but you've got more elements at play as yeah. well. And you might not have less time at a place. Or you might run out of certain fuels and things. So, it's just been a fate to that as well, I think. Yeah. Um, but, as you say, a fun experience along the way. And, you know, even if there's some disasters, it's sometimes you've still got something edible at the end so yeah. to scoff and enjoy. Yeah. And, like we said before, we've had some disaster,
0: you know, pre-packed yeah. meals, haven't we? Yeah. So,
2: have you had
1: any disasters? Me? I, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure I'll have a few more. Usually my biggest disasters are forgetting something Oh really? Half the time, which I think I've done okay with today so far. Um.
0: <laughs> gas canister would have would got to be the worst, surely.
1: <laughs> I've not forgotten any gas before. I have, uh, this one's got a self-ignition, as you saw before. It took me a while to get started on the self-ignition, um, with a little bit of wind. But this one's got a self-igniter, but yeah. I've sometimes taken a different stove out that hasn't got a self-igniter I've, forgot. I've forgotten. So I've forgotten a lighter, oh. I've forgotten a fuel source one of them I had a, a camp I was doing with a friend of mine Tom and I had to go and dash down the uh, dash down the hillside to the local shop and come back up again <laughs> so everybody's doing that one which is a bit daft uh-huh. um, so that's happened before I've gone out to try and do a nice risotto and forgot the rice oh. uh, before I was cooking some steaks out and didn't bring a frying pan um, so no doubt it will happen but thankfully they've all been on ones where I've just uh, been out just to enjoy yourself. myself yeah. so yeah. nothing too much but <laughs> oh we
2: have a duck. Dark- oh hello <laughs>
1: We've not uh, not quite had anyone pinch the food yet, dogs-wise. <laughs> yeah, it could be the first. It's a, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Be on video as well.
2: Yeah. That is true, yeah. Well, when I was at... So I, I, I enjoy cooking, but my husband's a chef, so I do very, very little. And I think his, his words, which I, I do stand by, a few years ago, and I attempted to do a vegan um chilli. And I, it used to be a dish I could do, and for some reason it didn't work. And his words were, "Leave the cooking to me." So I, I stand by that. I can cook, but in his, he says that I take my eye off the ball too much. I'm too busy like cleaning as I'm going and not. You just wouldn't do that here, though, would you? No, true. So maybe this is mm. where I need to cook.
0: Maybe this is this is where you belong when it comes to cooking.
1: Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like sometimes when it always seems to be, when the barbecue comes out, that it's like, nope, I'll do the barbecue yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. You step aside. Maybe yeah. that's you, the outdoor cooking. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's a hill I
2: cook here. (laughs) But when I was at school and we used to do um, food economics, I did try and make a carrot cake once and I forgot my carrots and uh, a sausage plait. Posh sausage roll, isn't it? And I forgot the sausage meat. Oh, no! So, yeah. So your risotto with your rice, then, yeah.
1: It does happen. I mean, that's it. It's not just the outdoors. It can happen anywhere, can't it? Yeah,
2: exactly that. It
1: can happen anywhere, that sort of stuff. But... (laughs) I think it's something It's anything like when you're going away, isn't it? I mean, I, I had one recently, we were out camping down in Pembrokeshire and I've literally forgot my tent pegs, didn't I? Oh! Um, again, so even though I've maybe done it a few more times, I still have these mistakes every now and again. Yeah. And um, thankfully I had some little wooden forks I'd used at a recent festival, so I used these forks as little pegs <laughs> in the end. So I bet I was the laughing stock at the campsite, but uh, it wasn't a windy night, so Lovely. it stayed up. yeah. Now so what's bomb. in
0: the pan now then? What have we got in there?
1: So we've got some cherry tomatoes in there, we've got some um, roughly chopped sort of um, red onion, we've got some peppers and some courgette in there, and some of the veg. And um, we're going with some sort of salt lemon juice in there afterwards. And we'll get this finished off, and then we'll make a little quick hummus up. Very with some nice. chickpeas, um, tahini was that one that you couldn't tahini, pronounce Tahini, yes, okay. So just like a sesame seed paste. Right. adds a nice sort of a uh, nice bitter note to the hummus there, uh, with some garlic and some fresh lemon and some oil through there as well. Lovely. Then we'll plate them up. Sounds lovely. So, yeah, so we'll... It smells really good. Run the way. Quite a simple one this one, but a nice little sort of open sandwich offering.
2: Um, It's making me think, even not with a wild camp, just going on a walk and having a go. Just
0: going out, even using this as the purpose to go out is something that we'd never have done. Yeah. Let's go out for lunch. Yeah. And do this. Which I, I, I suppose is, is normal for you, Harrison. I suppose that's what you do a lot. <laughs> do
2: you well, yeah, a like I'll home. be down the cafe I think.
0: <laughs> you know, we don't go out to cook, which is now yeah. something I think we should do.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, <Way> try. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You convince me while you're in my presence, it's fine. But it's um it's one of those as you say, I think it's something that it's a different activity in itself. Even if you're out walking the dog and stuff and you just took a little food flask with you, something to go and sit on a nice bench and yeah. enjoy it so you may you may warm up at home packed it in a food flask and just sat and enjoyed it there. It's just it's just a little bit so I don't expect it to always be going to the full extent of making your doze out there from scratching <laughs> yeah. the hill but you know it's different means when the weather's like this though it's it's, it's quite a nice activity to do. Yeah. Of course if the weather's blowing a hoolie or pissing it down I'm probably at home watching Netflix to be honest. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With a <the> pot
1: noodle <laughs> No, no, no pot noodles. Huh? That's one thing. I've got uh yeah. and in
2: terms of your book then so will you be doing kind of um, sign-ins of your book around places or is there no plans for that as of yet
1: yeah so we're hoping to do a few sort of launch events um, none of them are confirmed as of yet they may be by the time this goes out so I'll make yeah. sure we get that information across to you um, if they come in but hopefully there'll be a bit of a launch event somewhere in the area here of course where it's yeah. all started and then we'll see we're going to see if we can maybe try and turn it around a little bit I know there's some partners that I've worked with um across the country that are interested in perhaps hosting something so Brilliant. we'll see if we get a little bit of a tour around with some uh some samples again and foodie bits and a bit mm-hmm. of a talk and maybe yeah. some other other speakers in there as well could be a nice thing to do but yeah otherwise very open to um to all the bits but still in the planning side of that at the moment i yeah. guess it's mean, just uh, just gone live on the pre-order so it's uh exciting but hopefully we should have that physical copy in my hands uh, for the first time in, be a, a in a couple of weeks yeah. yeah be surreal absolutely absolutely but it's gonna be a nice year too brown. of course i'm at quite a few festivals as well still before the end of the year so um again i think i've I'll, I'll just been at car fest by the time this comes out we'll be going back to kendall mountain festival um in november as well so again i've no doubt it's going to become a bit of my personality for uh, the next few months at yeah. least or maybe well, even a year yeah. well you've got to you've got, <laughs> I've to got a book you hand. know yeah <laughs> Um, hi what's no. your name I've got a book I mean Harrison <laughs> <laughs> no fantastic but yeah again to come that full sort of circle when you think back to sort of you know, falling asleep on the end of those bars every night to then be able to have this sort of it's just it's bonkers really it's absolutely yeah. absolute stranger looking back really sort of the, what's gone on since but um, yeah just thankful for the opportunities and half of that comes down to people sort of supporting it really in terms of just sharing along the way without them sort of doing that yeah. I wouldn't have had these opportunities yeah. so it's kind of you know as much as you do yourself it's still in this day and age relies on that almost it does, it's yeah. as well and meeting people on the way so yeah, yeah it's definitely I think being nice
2: real and, and raw as well I think that's some people don't have that they glamorise things don't mm. they and I think you've just you're so honest about everything and I think yeah. a lot of people can relate to that even if they can't relate to your entire story I mean it's personal to you but people can take little fragments from it can't they, they think oh yeah I get that and
1: do you organise these planes yeah, yes do, we did yeah else. I can't see that much. Yeah, I it's over. Yeah. It's coming again. We've had a bit of a flyover today, haven't we? have had quite yeah. a few. Quite the spectacle. I mean, yeah.
2: we wouldn't have got this if we were sat inside, would
1: we? <laughs> if you've got to Tiffy's Ring, I'll have a word with him.
2: Yeah.
1: i yeah. saying so it's quite nice to be above them for once, isn't it? Looking down on those plates as yeah. Oh, it's magnificent. So they'll soften through a little bit more, then. Get a little bit of bite, That's so going to be nice as well. Then we'll get the other pan on get that hummus knocked up and then get these uh served nice. up so the bread sort of took the longest bit to cook through um the wind was just a little bit stronger then we've died down a bit now as well so nice yeah. nice and on but that's again it's just not rushing these things half the time that's why i've probably not gone too much into people think i often go and cook for people on the hills or like private dining experiences and stuff which is not what i do at all wow. really Kind of I imagine f- that
2: would be really stressful wouldn't it as well well it's like
1: I did like 14 years of hospitality at one point kind of you almost have your time with that to your yeah. way and this is kind of my aspect and what I enjoy is a bit of downtime so, so then coming to then come into that when you say you're talking about is it ready in 15 minutes or down there is it coming up piping hot and sometimes it's kind of yeah I don't know It's just ready when it's ready
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely
1: and I think yeah. sometimes again that convenience sort of culture sometimes it's just yeah just spending time in the moment rather than always waiting for the next thing yeah I think that they
0: they've got that right in Europe haven't they Mm. and you know you you mentioned it earlier people in Italy they it's an experience isn't it eating they get together they enjoy the moment they spend time cooking and eating and coming together to do that Um, and and tapas for example in Spain you know it's it's not something you do as a convenience food Mm. You, you spend time and you enjoy it for not just the food but the cooking and the experience and that how it brings people together to talk and open up, and you know I think we forget that when we're just rushing about grabbing convenience food.
1: Mm-hmm. And great sort of sharing with other people, isn't it? As well, those little little dishes and little bits out there, yeah. it's the tapas or like meze in Greece, yeah. and sort of just having little bits to just promote conversation. And so sort of you're chipping in and sharing, aren't you? Yeah. Rather than again, it's just mine. <laughs> you're not having any.
2: I guess as well, if you're thinking about cooking at home. Then usually somebody is in the kitchen cooking, and everybody else is elsewhere, and yeah. they're like out of it. And so again, this is bringing people yeah. together and making it more social as well. Yeah. Not just enjoying the food together, but the, the whole process.
3: Yeah.
0: And
1: it's good for me because I get to see somebody actually doing some cooking and I can <laughs> learn from that. <laughs> Watching, taking notes. Yeah. So do, we'll you think, do you
2: think you could make this?
1: Oh, with the with the book, yeah. <laughs>
2: with the book. <laughs>
1: I mean, a pro- yeah.
3: yeah, I think yeah. you could
1: Instructions Well, I'd hopefully say so I mean, again, there's some of those that are quite uh, I, mean, it's, it's the bread. I mean, the breads, again You could buy some breads already made up as well Just speed that along yeah. a bit quicker You could buy a hummus pre-made up as well It's kind of They're little steps you don't really need yeah. to take But just nice quite nice to, to do yeah. but, So then you're just chopping some veg up And cooking it through, aren't you? But Yeah A nice little open sandwich We're having this argument To be fair with some of the publishers before About Because uh, yeah, there's a few ones in there That are open sandwiches almost So there's just Stuff on top of bread Yeah, yeah. And they go, well, is that a sandwich? what do you think
2: there's a filling and
1: there's bread um, so yeah, yeah it's half and half isn't it i mean it's a kind of well there's if definitely a bit of poetic license that. you can call it what you want exactly, exactly. you can yeah. call it what you like can't you i mean it's
0: flatbread
2: calzone
1: sandwich. pizza
0: you know is that just a pizza that's folded i don't know <laughs> it's yeah yeah i mean you could that's like saying a club sandwich uh no sorry the biscuits sandwich biscuits I could yeah. Oh, that's a whole chocolate. different yeah. argument now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of course, we're going to go yeah, down
3: the jacket. Jaffa Jaffa <laughs> <laughs> we're not going or... down that route. <laughs> no. You said you weren't going to get political. No. we didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think, as you say, if you can fold it up and have both of uh, bread on both sides, it's yeah, fine. I but, agree. But I do agree with the fact that uh, it's only a pie; but it's completely pastry all around. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's one that I will stick with. But, uh, yeah. There's Some sandwiches that are a bit more open in uh, in mine anyway, so hopefully they pass for some I
0: suppose as we're talking um, political and do's and don'ts and cooking the the important question i guess is do we have pineapple on pizza
1: oh wow i wonder where you would going with that one (laughs) i might lose a few followers on this one look at us with (laughs) baked breath like what's the answer no i quite like a bit of pineapple i do so do we yeah yeah (laughs) we are all for it i quite like it i certainly wouldn't call it an authentic sort of um um napoli pizza but it's uh I do, I do like that sort, of, that sort of saltiness of the ham and sort of that sweetness of the pineapple yeah. in there I think it sort of merges quite well those little mm. flavour notes but again these days you've seen all sorts on pizzas now I think it's generally gone to even further yeah. stranger concoctions yeah. so yeah. anything on bread I mean that's, that's an open, again an open sandwich perhaps yeah. yeah. that's it yeah. is pizza a sandwich that's the, that's the next question yeah. pop that one up in a poll that's your next book
3: is
0: pizza
1: a sandwich
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. logistically then obviously today is a beautiful day Yep. nice and easy um, but I'm guessing well there will be plenty of days where you are booked or you've got an event that you've got to do it's mm-hmm. outdoors and the weather is horrendous so what other sort of things would you consider then because would you use the same stove or have you got one that's better suited to certain weathers would you mm-hmm. take a tar
1: yeah absolutely so again there's some conditions that of course it's not going to be possible to and it's not going to be fun for anyone to be out there in um, but I might do things where I might take more steps to actually prep something more towards the end yeah. so i wouldn't choose a dish it's going to take me a long time to cook for example either so nothing slow cooked out there well again i've been looking yeah for some shelter spots in there or some tarps or various bits or having more canvas base tent, doing it more base camp level yeah but of course if it's completely out of the way and again if it's thunderstorming <laughs> and stuff then even being under shelter there's gonna to be too dangerous to be out so yeah. sometimes there's points where you've got to call it in the outdoors i think and safety's got to be paramount i think especially yeah. in the mountains it can soon change um but yeah, I mean, a lot of them, sometimes I'm going about, obviously I'm outdoor cooking, I'm talking about the outdoors a lot, but a lot of the travelling around sometimes can be me. You know, when we last saw you sort of in the NEC under a, yeah. big, <laughs> under a big roof, <laughs> all these outdoor lovers and stuff, outdoor cooking in a, in a big inside, four,
2: yeah. four-wall room. <laughs> Not thought about it like yeah. that, actually. So it really are, varies
1: it. on those sort of frontages, but yeah, likewise, it's, uh, I think Perhaps one of the reasons why there's a lot more outdoor cooking on the continent, or most of America and Australia, is because the weather is better and more consistent. I guess. Uh, Wherever here, we take our take our chances where we can. But yeah, Yeah. July has not been
2: the greatest
0: here,
3: has it?
1: This time round, no. No, a bit of a washout, has not it? Another washout. I mean, it's been a nice, uh, nice time to catch up on some admin. I think actually. (laughs) Again, that's one thing I didn't expect too much of. I think when I went freelance, I thought, wait, loads of time in the outdoors. (laughs) There's still a, there's still the paperwork behind the scenes as well to a degree, but but no, hopefully August is going to come out come out nice. Well, time this has come out, we've had a yeah. nice uh, nice summer of it. But yeah. again, people still enjoying the outdoors again, rain or shine. Though, and again, just about having the equipment out there to be prepared for those changes. Um, but As you say, different stoves work in different conditions. Uh, again, obviously, a lot of people use sort of the jet boils or the brew kit sort of thing for, for great for dehydrated meals or for quick coffee, tea, cup of yeah. soup out there fantastic quick boiling they'll last really well in sort of yeah. uh, strong winds great for keeping carby bits on the go as well a rolling boil for bits of veggies yeah. or rices potatoes this one's obviously quite a quite a beast of a stove with a nice big flame head but again still some wind it will struggle in that sort of way yeah. so using a shelter or finding some natural natural shelter is always always advisable um i do use little wood burning stoves sometimes as well i don't tend to bring them out too much in dry season yeah. like now just yeah. not to um have any risk for those bits. They're always elevated off the ground as well. But through the winter side of things, they can be quite nice as well have that nice visual of a yeah. little fire um, going too, which are great. But and of course, if you're going further up in altitude, then of course your gas might struggle a bit more with the temperatures and things. Uh, wood might be a bit more scarce to um, scavenge in bits, so more like a fuel, fuel-based stove might be yeah. a better option there, sort of petrol stove and things. They're gonna work a lot better for higher altitude and stuff. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. Half yeah, the time on these yeah. things. Again, we've cooked outdoors for many a year um, <laughs> as humans, and I'm sure we'll continue to find ways with more improved equipment going forward. Try error. Okay, so that's coming together. So warm through, so we get some lime juice through there, and I'm going to start mashing these chickpeas up as well into what would be more recognisable as a hummus. I'll add some oil through it as well to... Uh, start bringing it together and then we'll get ready to plate up really
3: yeah
0: it does i never thought about that but when you're sort of cooking out in the winter and to have a nice hot meal Mm. i bet that's lovely isn't it
1: i think that's just something nice to look forward to as well isn't it i think for me it just elevates that experience half the time you know again i've never it's never been one to shirk food in any sort of situation so i think when i got into the outdoors it wasn't going to be something that i go right okay now we're on to the you know mug shops and really and you know the uh just add water pastas and stuff it's just not 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 for me really so i wouldn't have those in another setting so right for me outside, it's
3: all,
1: yeah yeah i do i just enjoy so again i completely get it why some people don't wouldn't go for that sort of thing but
2: it's education i think again though isn't it yeah like just from seeing what you bought here has changed my opinion
0: yeah you just don't think well Bringing a saucepan out, bringing knives and cutlery and the ingredients, you don't, because we've never done it. So it's just, it's new to us. I think in your head you've
2: got like your your big shop, haven't you? (laughs) And everything you own in the kitchen and you think, yeah, that's not going to be fun to carry.
1: (laughs) there's still that bit there's always the weight police that come in I think as well and go oh, how, yeah. much, uh, how much that <laughs> weigh? how much does it weigh and, uh, yeah, I, just, I never weigh my bag it's just uh, if it goes in you know, I'll get it yeah. up the hill Yeah, <laughs> I don't think
0: you'd probably get away with cooking some of this on a little BRS stove on those little 24 gram
1: stove <laughs> things <laughs> I mean the thing with there, I mean you'll, you'll get dumb. I mean, it's, it's more of patience with them they'll take a lot longer I mean the wind might be a bit more to contend with but it's more your heat spot on those sort of things so if you're using a yeah. bigger pan for those yeah. or if you're using more of a, a cylinder based um, pot and you have to do a lot more stirring yeah to keep it going because you're going to get bits that are going to catch more and burn so that's why i tend to like a wider flame here because it replicates more that hob yeah. at home effect so you can cook more like you would do at home really and but that's still very compact yeah you know to get it in it your back
2: doesn't it and
1: get it up here yeah i mean it's just a little day pack today isn't it for this sort of fell side really
0: um i suppose when you're cooking for a lot of people as well i mean
3: more people like mean, you say you don't, you, bag, but, <laughs> yeah, you don't wear
0: your bag you don't wear your bag but i bet that can get quite hefty at
3: times
1: there's can be quite a bit in there for the bigger numbers in yeah. you know, shoe, sure. and I, I tend to find that no one really offers to help carry stuff <laughs> um, they're always quick to jump the queue when they get uh the when food the food's ready, being but...
2: dished out we did offer to help <laughs> you didn't
1: we oh, bless you, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it's um... not
2: realizing how little you've actually bought to be yeah. fair
1: <laughs> no it's all good today it's all grand but It's one of those. I think there's plenty in there. and Likewise, if you spend a lot more time decanting things down as well, I'm not bringing full bottles of oil out with me and stuff. Smaller containers or packing things out into Tupperware pots and stuff. and That really helps bits out. They're more lightweight as well, so if you've got something that's in a glass or a metal container, popping it into a little plastic one you can wash out and take it back down again. It's just little bits. A bit of preparation behind it and you can soon pack a few bits out. So I've had some great trips up to Scotland in the past with a few friends out in the Boffies and we try to cook fresh as much as possible whilst out there you know most days and been three or four nights out there and stuff as well and gone through sort of autumn winter so it's a bit colder outside anyway so you can almost use nature as your fridge yeah. in the yeah. evening in a way keep it nice and high so uh, no wildlife comes and pinches it again we're looking <laughs> not to have many bears in this part of the world <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's just a great experience and just seeing what you can do out there and you know baking, baking some breads out in there as well and having that to come back to and just trying to reuse bits and just, yeah, just a really nice, humble, authentic experience, I think, really, out there, which, again, you could just... So there was some supplementation with some dehydrated ones in there, on some bits, you know, to, for every lunch, to have a little break and things, but likewise, I think if that was every single meal for four or five well, days, get... then... Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know, it's just not quite the doesn't same doesn't quite impact hit the and, spot, does it? No. And again, likewise, if it was a further afield, I can completely see when you need, need to think about your weight more, you need to think about, you know, more survival side of things out there, that they are going to play their part, and... I think they are always advisable to have as well as a backup. Even if you are out cooking sometimes, if you're out camping away on a point to point, you've got a backup because things can go wrong as yeah. well. So if you have one of those in your bag, you can always come and use that if something is a disaster yeah. or yeah. something happens or perhaps you know a dog, a dog comes, comes and pinches it. it Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be devastating. They've
2: if gone
1: it now. But today. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they come back. Okay. We so we're nearly there, so I'm just loosen this a bit more oil start plating these up uh, just give that veg a little heat through again
2: have you ever been approached to go overseas and do some cooking overseas anywhere
1: so there's been um there's been a couple of nearlys nearlys mm. I've not quite had anything as of yet um out there but um, I'd love to do one of the, sort of the expedition things I mean out there and cook away or some of those yeah. you know Swedish boffy sort of trips out there point yeah. to point or swimming up in you know Picos de Europa or something it would be amazing but yeah. um but no, as of yet, I mean, I'm, I'm available to do that sort of thing. You know, I've got a freshly renewed passport. Uh, <laughs> ready recently, to go. So I'm uh, I am good to go. To He's even got yeah. a backpack. Secretly. Yeah, that's it. We're good, we're good. Just you know, by the door. <laughs> I can meet many airports. Um, you know, a bit of GCSE French. But, uh, <laughs> but no, not as of yet. Not as of yet. But um, yeah, that would hopefully be the next step, I think, to go out and cook somewhere a bit yeah. higher for me as well. That would be uh, amazing, wouldn't yeah. it? Again, I mean, even a very different life beforehand as well. I mean, I'm sure there's many people that... I've had similar and coming to the outdoors quite late and things that I've not really had the chance to go and enjoy a lot of the air, even the outdoor travel holidays and things because it wasn't yeah. the holiday I was doing yeah. before. So I've not done too much travelling that way abroad yet, which yeah. I think though there's so much to do on my doorstep. And I've so far I've been you know lucky with things. I'm busy with things I've been doing, but it would be nice to go and try a bit more fantastic areas like that mm. put somewhere just personally, else. That, yeah, I've not yeah. I've not really. I wouldn't have really thought about it before. Again, it would be more looking down for sort of the beach holiday sort of thing, or yeah. God forbid, yeah. you know. So which you still need, I, you know, I,
0: there's so many places we all want to go, isn't there? But you know, I want to go to the Himalayas. I want to go here. I want to go there. But we all still need a beach holiday every now and then,
1: don't yeah, we? I well, well, again, sometimes there's some great, some great mountains nearby as well. Yeah. So it's that age-old argument: is it of the coast or the mountains? Sort yeah. of. Uh, which do you prefer? And I'm like, well, there's actually to be a choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bit of both quite nice. Right, so we've got something that sort of resembles a hummus in there then, so that's kind of a bit of a um, bastardised version on the camp stove. So again, not having the blender out here, it's kind of nice to Mm. mash that up. Heating the chickpeas in the pan first makes it a bit more supple, so it allows you to to press it all out there, otherwise you'd put a bit more elbow grease into it. To get a nice little hummus on there, and then get some (laughs) flatbreads up.
2: I love your little pots as well.
1: (laughs) Sometimes people think I've got my own Tupperware brand with these, but they're just... uh, (laughs) Just just old, they're old hair gel pots.
2: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I just wash out and use them for like, they spices look bad, and things.
2: Don't
1: they? I just saw the other day, so there's quite a few of them in the book that are coming up, and I'm thinking, oh no. Probably VO5 hair gel oh, is coming that's, up in the book. That could
2: be your, uh, your next that's the line. That's nice. Tupperware <laughs> pots, yeah.
1: for outdoor, little containers. Maybe, you, maybe.
0: Like you've mentioned there, bringing small bottles of oil and, and breaking things down to what you need. Ideal.
1: It is, and again, using, I mean, although I didn't have the purpose built stuff initially, it is handy, obviously, you've got the fold away sort of, you know, mm. utensils and stuff, the more lightweight knives, um boards and stuff I've just generally found. At Christmas you tend to get nice
2: nice sets to do with little on cheese sets yeah. on They usually yeah. always
1: put a board in there. <laughs> yeah. When they get reduced after Christmas, you Happy get days. I think I've got that board for and they're set for like a pound. Oh, yeah. And there's a good little chopping board that Perfect, slides down yeah. in. It's just, I think it's just old MDF for yeah. right, you, yeah. not MDF, just uh just um plywood, but it's Still does the job, job? nice yeah. and lightweight. So the old little bits there. I mean that I could have decanted down but I was dashing out the house to meet you so I just <laughs> picked the jar for that one. Uh, but again little old toiletry bottles and things are great for oils to yeah. keep those in and stuff and just keeps it all more lightweight and more contained and, and down there so we'll get a little bit of this mint chopped up as well
0: and, uh, we're in the midst do. of festival season at the moment aren't we so what have you got coming up for the rest of the summer
1: yeah so I've had quite a bit of June I was, was touring around for all sorts in June it's had a great festival season of course caught that lovely weather spell as well so it's really nice being out and about and down sort of um, from Warwickshire to Pembrokeshire down to Devon and Cornwall sort of way uh, but as now I've got various bits coming up um, Carfest will be some of the biggest ones I've done by the time I come here um, and then I'll be down to hopefully the NEC again for the Camping and Caravan show where Kendall Mountain Festival will be in in November and again, some getting planned in for next year as well. And Alcute Shakeout, I'm at as well.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, the Shakeout Festival. I think I'm going to pop down to the Ellis Brigham one that's coming on as well in Wales. I'm not, I'm not speaking to that one, but I'm hopefully it's to. It's going to attend and have yeah. a, little, a little mingle around and enjoy yeah. it as well. Because it's nice. always nice to be yeah, of course on the scene yeah. of the community yeah. as well. But yeah. there's some great ones now. There isn't so many popping yeah. up here and there. And I think, again, yeah. that just shows how many more eyes are on the industry now. People want to get involved and doing these different trips.
3: Yeah.
0: Excellent.
2: Definitely a good movement, isn't it? It's yeah. not something that's it a negative great, thing. It is a
1: great community,
0: isn't it, of people?
1: Yeah, as you say, I think sometimes it's just like finding that tribe a little bit, really. Find the people that, yeah. you know, like-minded people that enjoy the same sort of things as you do. And Yeah. So, a few weeks back, we were, um, we were with Alex Staniforth.
0: Oh, yeah, good um, friend of mine, Alex, yeah. Yeah, and I think I'd already contacted you at this point, and uh, he's when we finished, he said, right, if you're looking for other guests, he said... Uh, Get a hold of Harrison. Um, was like I already have. Actually, he's like, yeah. Me and him tend to sort of swap and,
2: and... say, <laughs> <So laughs> go on this go on that one.
1: <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, I was I was there the other day because he's just obviously completed his frog grey yeah. round. So he, he's had a bit of a hard time after really struggling with long COVID for a while. I mean, yeah. Alex was doing some fantastic endurance events previously, mm-hmm. and just really wiped him out completely. So tough to see, but he's battled on through, got quite into his wild swimming, and recently taken on the frog grey round. So. I made sure I got to Keswick the other day and saw him come in as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice crowd to welcome him back. Um, he surprised me, to be fair, because I didn't think he was going to be finished that soon. I just looked at the the tracker and thought he's nearly there. I better drive through. <laughs> yeah. But now a good bloke.
2: Yeah, he's the first person for this season. For this season, isn't it, yeah, really? this
1: series. Oh, fantastic!
0: Oh, this smells great.
2: So. In terms of obviously loving cooking and food, who would be your idols food-wise then, or any sh- like chefs that? Do you have any?
1: Or... it's yeah, it's, it's a question you get asked quite a bit. But I'm never really someone to really put people on pedestals or yeah. idolise mm. people. Really, there's certainly people who've inspired me along the way, but there's no one I go, oh yeah, that's 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 the one. I love yeah. Everything he does, I love it. And I think generally we're all just
3: we're
0: all, all just quite human, aren't we? I think and... you know it's
1: likewise. I see it like in the sobriety circuit, for example, sort of stuff. And for me, I'm kinda of like, well, yes, I might be seven years sober now, but I could still be one day away from the drink myself. Yeah. Really. It's never really yeah. something that I'm ahead of anybody else. So there's certainly who you take inspiration from in the chef inside and things. And I used to love watching the likes of Keith Floyd on the television. <laughs> yeah. Um, like in him, a chap called Simon Hopkinson. I like he's more of a writer, but I'll enjoy his stuff. Um But yeah, Keith Floyd, if you could be like the sober Keith Floyd, I'd be quite happy
2: with that. Two very different people, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely. It was all lovely. But but yeah, some fantastic ones around. And again, recently some of the festivals, it's great almost to be, you know, not quite there, but almost having the chance to meet some of these people as well that you've watched on the television and going across and, be able to sort of watch them in action and share things with them. It's just, it's amazing really. But yeah, plenty out there. Hugh Furley-Witton still I quite like as well in terms of his sort of lifestyle and how he, you know, sort of tries to, really use sort of the garden stuff in there and the agricultural side and
0: many more coming through as well
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah. and again some fantastic ones on sort of tiktok and instagram now as well that are really breaking down those barriers for people too because i think that's half of it sometimes like we were saying earlier about getting to the outdoors sometimes it's quite daunting to start if you're not a cook to begin with it's like where do i start for example as well but sometimes these people who look at the entry level as well rather than just going straight to here's the most complicated dish you can do. Yeah. <laughs> Try and replicate it. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching the sort of the arts and the little bits in there and the practices, it, it really helps now. And there's so much information out there now that mm. I think hopefully that's something that we can do more of. And Even ingredients-wise, I mean, obviously there's privilege in being able to get certain, certain things and having things available, but, yeah, I remember sort of growing up here in mean, sort of Cumbria and stuff and seeing some of the ingredients in here on the television, and they wouldn't be in my local supermarket. Yeah, oh, they wouldn't that. be there. Oh, yeah. How do you say that? I would not <laughs> even see them, but now I've got this like, plethora of international yeah. sort of ingredients and recipes and... For me, it's kind of like taking those back to their roots in kind of way. How we started outdoors, we've now refined it this way, and taking them back out into their roots. Yeah. That's the outdoors that way. Um, we'll see. But maybe it would be nice to try and get a few of those shifts out in the field and see if they yeah. can do it in the, in the outdoors yeah. too. Yeah. That would be quite nice. Okay. So we've got a few here then. So I'll serve one there. I'll give you this little one this little board here then. Thank you. yourselves there. A couple of forks here. Fantastic.
0: Look at that. Right, we've just finished eating, and that was absolutely bloody lovely. I think yeah. I'll, I'll say. Um, so, what what
1: is the title of this particular dish in the book? So this is uh, hummus flatbread with some Mediterranean veg. Yeah. Class one of the open sandwiches in the book um, with some other bits in there. But a nice sort of simple summary summary option there. That, again, you could cut some steps out, bring your own hummus or. Some freshly made pitchers already from home, but uh, yeah, nice to cook it on the hillside, really. It definitely was. Well, not that I cooked it, it was definitely <laughs> nice to eat and smell whilst you were cooking it.
0: Um, it was lovely, really, really nice. Um, and this is one of you know, in the book, have they sort of graded as easy to hard or or anything like that?
1: So I haven't got um, a grading like that as such. I mean, I've got different sections for what things are particular, but I've got equipment lists and everything that you take out as well. So you'll see some things that have a lot less equipment than other things. So they are generally easier to recreate mm. The ones that need a lot more stuff to do so. But there's always ways and means to sort of skip bits ahead, I think. And there's some tips in there and stuff on how to take shortcuts or how to make things better where they are along the way. And likewise, I think it's just all about having a bit of a go and experimenting. So mm. you don't have to follow it to the letter when you're out and about. Again, cutting corners... And the challenge aspect is half the bit I enjoy, I think, seeing what can work out there and seeing what you can adapt and how you can do something in a different environment with less stuff in your backpack. So yeah, um, there's definitely some in there that would be quite simple ones to do, yet there's others in there that perhaps take a bit more <laughs> cognitive power. <laughs> <laughs>
0: cognitive power.
1: <laughs> well, that was very, very nice. I enjoyed it.
0: Um What we'll do now is we'll, we'll wrap it up, and I think, that for people that don't already follow you and 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 or may not have ever seen you before, mm-hmm. um, how can they follow you um, on social media or your website,
3: etc.?
1: Yeah, so I'm available on all, all platforms you can probably think of. <laughs> this is Fell Foodie. Only fans. <laughs> <laughs> only only fans. It's,
2: uh,
1: I love so, that. I did say this a minute ago. So I us just start an account called Fell Nudie. <laughs> <laughs> and only Pam. I'm not sure there'll be much of an audience for it, but we'll see. But um, you know, all platforms bar that one. Um as Fell Foodie. And otherwise, yeah, fellfood.co.uk you'll catch me as well. But more than happy to answer any questions people may have. And otherwise, yeah, you'll catch the book hopefully um on Vertebrae publishing website, my website, Amazon, and then we'll see. Hopefully some uh, some local bookshops and independents and some retailers as well as it gets closer to launch day. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, uh I think
0: a massive thank you for carrying the kit up sorting the ingredients and cooking um, cooking our lunch for us today it's yeah. been absolutely an amazing experience a and first yeah definitely a first <laughs> I've never eaten anything other than a, a, a butty or, <laughs> or anything up on the hillside so yeah really really appreciate you doing that for us so thank you very much and thank you very much for your time uh, we wish you all the success with your first book I'm going to say first book cheers well um, because you never know um, could be the only, <laughs> could be the only but I, it's not been printed like to, yet <laughs> we'll, we'll call it your first book your thank debut you. book um, and we look forward to the success of that and, and just seeing you grow and watching more people doing what you're doing uh, through the inspiration of watching you do it and, and reading your book as well
1: that's very kind, well thank you, thank you for your time as well welcome, thank you, thank you.
0: I've been to some lovely restaurants and ate some very fancy food, but nothing comes close to a 360 view of the Lake District from the Fells with a personal chef. I'm sure you'll agree that Harrison's story really is something and shows that when you're going through tough times, you have to dig deep and trust that the universe has you back. Harrison's debut book, Cookout, is available to buy from the 12th October 2023. See the link in the show notes to get yours and start cooking up some tasty dishes of your own with whatever view you choose. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and if you want even more, come and join us over on the Patreon supporters page to get yourself some cool stickers, behind the scenes updates and bonus content episodes, Summit Else Brew With A View, where Claire and I put the world to rights and have an uncensored chinwag whilst out and about. See the link in the show notes. Every penny goes back into the podcast and allows us to continue to bring you great guests with awesome stories. I'd also love it if you could leave a five-star review on your podcast streaming platform. This helps the algorithms and makes the podcast easier to find for new listeners. Don't forget, Series 5 is now on YouTube as well. You can watch the episodes over there and see where we've been for Series 5. Remember to like and subscribe. That is all for this episode. Thank you for listening. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, and I'll see you in the next one.